Hi, I'm Shekhar Gupta and I welcome you to my weekly podcast based on my column, National Interest. Catch it every Saturday morning. This week, Pakistan succeeded in doing what it hasn't lately. It caught itself into Indian headlines for positive and apparently peaceable intentions. We will be looking at three explanations for where they are coming from and then give our three arguments why the best response to Pakistan is no response at all. Prime Minister Shabazz Sharif said in an interview with the TV channel Al Arabiya that Pakistan had learned the lessons having fought three wars with India and now wanted peace. It came days after a column where a retired PAF Air Vice Marshal Shahzad Chaudhary made an impassioned plea for peace with India. The reason this wasn't dismissed as a peacenik rant is that Chaudhary is seen as embedded in the establishment and its powerful inter-services public relations or ISPR. The first part where the Pakistanis are coming from is easy to see. They desperately need three things. Strategic breathing space, financial generosity and most of all relevance. Since 1950, Pakistan's geographic location has been its greatest strategic asset. As long as the Cold War was on, it was relevant because it was next to Afghanistan, a Soviet buffer state and India, pretty much seen as a friend of the Soviet bloc, if not an ally. In fact, sometimes, sometimes post-1971 as an ally too. Once the Soviets were defeated in Afghanistan, Osama bin Laden ensured Pakistan's geostrategic leverage by basing his headquarters in Afghanistan, the Al-Qaeda headquarters in Afghanistan. That was with the Mujahideen. It was the pre-Taliban period. This Pakistan was now seen to control through the Mujahideen. It was brilliant for the Pakistanis as long as it lasted. It brought them tons of billions of dollars in aid, weaponry and diplomatic support. This included the Western ambivalence on India's case on Kashmir. But the Islamism that the Pakistani establishment used to drive their operations or agenda in Afghanistan also seeped into them. That's why they slaughtered their own golden goose by quote-unquote winning the war against the Americans in Afghanistan. Imran Khan called it a liberation and many in the establishment, Pakistani establishment, including then ISI chief Faiz Hamid, celebrated it as a victory of Islam. With Afghanistan dropping off from Pakistan's mind space now though, Pakistan had lost its own strategic asset. Now nobody, not even China, is willing to cut Pakistan any slack vis-a-vis India. As a result, now Pakistan has few cards to play with on its familiar strategic chessboard. Until it can figure out its plan B, it needs breathing space. It needs time. Talks with India is just the way to go from the Pakistani point of view. Next, Pakistan's economy is bankrupt. The only reason it doesn't look as bad as Sri Lanka is that there is already the real Sri Lanka hereabouts. Pakistan believes that the Gulf Arabs will never let one of the largest Sunni states and the only overt nuclear weapons power in the Islamic world collapse. It comes with conditions now. One of which is stop messing around with India. Nobody has any patience with Pakistan to indulge its shenanigan to its east. That's where India is located. Besides, the same Muslim countries have a much deeper economic and strategic relationship with India now. For Pakistan to keep this oxygen flowing, it needs to convince its donors it has changed and that it has dumped strategic hubris for realism and humility. See 
I'm even talking to India now. That's what they want to tell the world. Pakistan's lost relevance flows from the fading of its geostrategic leverage. That isn't all though. The other half of that relevance came from being a persistent nuisance, not just for India, but through that to the, to the entire well-meaning world by making it worry about a nuclear war here. That's why the late scholar Stephen Cohen used to say that Pakistan negotiates with the world by putting a gun to its own head. Give me what I want or I might pull the trigger. Are you ready to clear up the mess afterwards? That was ensured by keeping a low intensity conflict with India simmering. You could turn the burner low or high depending on how badly you needed attention. It was safe as long as India wasn't retaliating. The Uri cross-border strike and then the Balakot bombing changed the rules. Once India demonstrated it would retaliate and not bother about the fear of escalation, nuclear or not, that bluff was called. For Pakistan, this completed its irrelevance. Resumption of dialogue with India might bring some of it back. There are many good reasons why the best Indian response to these Pakistani moves, I don't like overtures, is no response. But there is none as important as the fact that it won't be good for Pakistan. It will harm the country and its people. Anything that gives breathing space and strategic relevance back to Pakistan is negative for India. It's worse for Pakistan. Because it will encourage Pakistan's powers that be to believe that they are very smart people, cats, whiskers. They are navigating their way in a sea of gullibility. If they are reprieved again, another such crisis will come soon. And ultimately, it's the people who pay, the people of Pakistan who will pay. Watch those sad videos of people chasing atta or wheat flour trucks in Pakistan. This for a population that until 1985 was two-thirds richer than India. In fact, richer than India at the rate of 65% by 55% on per capita GDP in 1985. I choose that reference point not just because that was the first time I traveled to Pakistan as a reporter, but because it was around that time that Pakistan embarked on its campaign to use terror as a weapon against India. Today, it is about 33% behind India and the gap is rising. From being 65% ahead, it's now 33% behind. India's GDP is now growing almost twice as fast as Pakistan's and India's population is rising at almost half the rate of Pakistan's. Both determine the rising differential in per capita GDPs. Don't give Pakistan a breather or relevance unless there is tangible evidence that the nature of that being has changed. The only thing that might justify a response is that the state of Pakistani economy is so bad and how its people are suffering. But it's better to be heartless for now. Ultimately, it's for the people of Pakistan to demand course correction from their rulers. The crazily rising popularity of Imran Khan proves they are making no such demands or efforts. They have no such realization as yet. Which brings us to the next reason why no response is the best response. Shahbaz Sharif has a majority about as rigged as Imran Khan's was and by the same guys, the Fauji's. Unlike Imran, he doesn't even have the street with him. He is riding the horses of Islamism, that's Imran. Imran is riding the horses of Islamism, ultranationalism and multifaceted populism. An overture from Shahbaz Sharif at this point is about as pointless as one that the late Indra Kumar Gujral made first as BP Singh's foreign minister and then as prime minister. Dead on arrival. India must and can afford to wait till the power struggle in Pakistan settles one way or the other.
the counter question you might ask is if the army is the final arbiter in pakistan and it removed imran brought in the sharif led arrangement and blessed these overtures why not take them seriously the army is talking to you army wages proxy war maybe they are also waging proxy peace now if you track pakistan politics closely you would know that just as in popular politics there is a tussle on in the pakistani army as well among the modernizing realists and jihadi warriors it's a reality and that's our third reason third argument for not engaging with pakistan right now general kamar ahmed bajwa the former chief fought his way through all this and now his successor has his task cut out by no means has this issue been settled yet pakistan has had many opportunities to make peace with india on pretty good terms for itself this includes 2001 when musharraf came to agra and ruined it by strutting around like a general visiting a nation he had vanquished in 2003 4 after opera akram and then until 2008 this good epoch continued until 26 11 ruined it at least for two generations of indians if not forever the trust is gone what was responsible for 2611 when ties were stable and a lot of contact was on it was the not so hidden dark forces of jihadi ultra nationalism in the pakistani army isi establishment will somebody now guarantee that another such sabotage wouldn't happen if we again decide to engage more than a decade ago we had said in a national interest and i'll share a link with you More than a decade ago, I had said in a national interest, leave AF to Park. That's when there was a lot of clamor in India. Oh, AF Park region, Pakistan is getting preeminence there. India must have a role. I said, leave Afghanistan to Pakistan. Lead AF to Park. Let them sink with it. Let them win their famous victory. See what happened after that. So about ten years back, I had said, leave AF to Park. It is time now for me to say, leave Park to Park.